Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Media and Marketing at Stylus, and today it's a Milan Design Week special. To discuss what's probably the most important event of the year for designers, brands and creatives, I'm joined by Caroline Jacob, colour, material and finishes design strategist at creative studio Seymour Powell, and Davy Pignati, Stylus' own senior editor of product design both of whom attended this year's festival. So first of all, Davey, could you please describe to us what Milan Design Week entails for those who've never been? Sure. Milan Design Week started um, as a furniture fair, the Salona del Mobile, which is still there. Um, and it's where all the big global furniture brands um, launch their new collections. Um, and this year, I have the number here, um, nearly 400,000 attendees um, um, visited the show from 181 countries, so it's massive. But actually, a lot of visitors don't go to the fair anymore. They just um, go into the city center where there's loads of brands and designers um, staging smaller exhibitions um, and, yeah, staging these immersive installations that I'm sure we'll talk about a bit later. So, Caroline, you were also one of those 400,000 attendees. Um, what's your focus when you go and what do you, what do you get from it? So every, every year, a small team from Simmer Powell covers Milan Design Week um, with the intention of um, bringing some inspiration for our design team, but also obviously take a lot of um, interesting resource and resources and input to um, kind of um, define trends and consumer behaviours that are up and coming. Um, also, obviously, as a CMF designer, uh, it's for me very important to go to touch and fill um, the installations and products that are exhibited and also to get opportunity for me to um, ask a bit more about what's behind the material process and the innovation that are presented there. Okay, so let's get stuck in then to some of the trends that you guys saw uh, at Milan Design Week. I, I noticed that um, there was a large presence of technology firms, which seems unusual perhaps. Um, David, you spoke to uh, Daisuke Ishii, the chief art director of Sony and lead of the brand's exhibition Affinity in Autonomy. Um, we have a clip um, of you speaking to him, which we'll listen to now. All um, installations based on the sensing technology. The first one is uh, um, sensing in the darkness and they recognize, um, the system recognizes you in, even in the darkness. And uh, if you move to the next room, um, it, it, has more like a, um, um, it has more like physical communication with you. And the, finally, um, we are showing uh, um, emotion through eyeball, which is a real project product. So uh, going through the whole exhibition, the, um, the communication um, with the robotics and the humans are getting richer and richer. And also, you will see more um, kind of bright future for the for, for for the next step. It was really interesting to hear, uh, to speak to him. Actually, he was saying how the home is becoming more responsive, but also how we would still like to see that it's responding to us. Um, um, he was saying that. Technology can now be integrated into furniture, into the walls, into our power sockets. But what they were exploring in in um, the exhibition was how tangible objects um, make people more comfortable when they can interact with the technology and and see it responding to them. 
So Caroline, did you see this same exhibition? Yes, I did. Um, it was really interesting, very various um, technologies presented there. I had kind of two feelings towards it. One was, um, obviously, there is a, a real intention from brands to make us feel a bit more comfortable facing these technologies. And um, obviously, there is this other intention of making our home a bit more immersive, a bit less tech loud, loudly. Uh, and on the other hand, there was, um, I guess, maybe less of Sony. It's maybe less of Sony's intention, but a lot of people were taking this um, this installation as a the perfect backdrop for their Instagram accounts. And I thought that was quite an interesting take, um, a new take, I guess, uh, on the design fair, um, where people were uh, experiencing these technologies technologies through their screens and and not so much from another point of view. We've been hearing about this idea of responsive homes for quite some time. Um, do you think or did you see any particular example of something where you thought, okay, that's the thing that will bring this into the mainstream? Um, I think we saw some good examples that actually um, improve our interactions or actually improve our humanness um, and that's what the home should be all about of course so those are good examples um, lighting band Preciosa um, showed this big chandelier and it can recognize the sound of clinking glasses so you would have it above your um, your dining table I imagine and when you clink glasses together it creates this wave of light um, which is very experiential but it's something actually fun um, or there was another one that responds to people hugging and then um, creates this beautiful light experience. So maybe responding more to human behavior and stimulating that. Um, of course, it's, 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 it's just all getting started. Um, and these brands are just also using these installations as an opportunity to kind of show what they can do. Um, I mean, Sony was um, showing off their swarm technology, that's sensor technology that's used in autonomous cars, and just showing how that could be used in the home through these orbs that roll towards you when you sit down or move away if you stand up, almost like a pet that comes towards you and seeks some attention. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. We can just start to imagine what we can do with this technology. But for now, it's, 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 it's still quite abstract. Lamps that move towards you, um, as, you as you're in a space. Um, Sounds quite terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it was all quite cute and they were given some kind of character. Um, yeah. Well, that's interesting because it's something that we talk about quite a bit on Stylus, this idea of... Um, brands and products becoming more humanized, more intimate with you, um, more sort of like your buddy and your friend than, yeah. than just a service provider. Yeah, because of course that chandelier is listening to you clinking glasses. So what else are they listening to? Of course, you can also look at it like that. But then, um, you know, it can also be something that kind of keeps you company in the home and acknowledge, acknowledges you if you're if you would be there alone. So yeah, it, it's it's it has two sides. Um, it's a big design challenge for the future, I think. So just um, continuing with this theme of the of the of the technology that was that was there, um, I believe you also saw a presentation by Google. 
Yeah, and that almost showed how design influences us as well. So almost the other way around, um, how we are, how how our um, spatial design impacts on us and how it can have a positive or a negative effect. So Google was showing this by. Um, uh, giving visitors wristbands that measured biometric data, whilst we were invited to explore three different spaces. There were um, three rooms. They were the same size, but they felt like they were different sizes because they felt completely different. One was very womb-like, um, with um, very warm colours, neutral materials, um, lighting that was coming up from the floor, very low lighting. Another one was very vibrant with bright colours and um, dynamic lights and lots of things to touch and explore. And the third one was more minimalistic. Um, and so we stayed in each room for five minutes, touching things, making ourselves comfortable. Um, and then afterwards, you had this kind of decompress uh, stage where your band was, the, the data was taken from your wristband. And um, this Google consultant would show you your results, which, which was the form of a colored infographic, showing you which, in which room you were most at ease. And basically, they want to show that neuroaesthetics, so um, how we are physiologically influenced by design, um, how that works and that that actually... So what room were you most comfortable in? I was most comfortable in the natural room. And Caroline, did you experience this too? No, I didn't have the chance. The queue was quite... Uh, <laughs> the queue was three hours long. Three hours long. Yeah. But, ah. um, one of my colleagues covered that whilst we went to the class and then the exhibition. But I would be quite interesting. Did Google um, mention what they would like to do with this data? How, are they going to use it in any other uh, content? Or? Well, they made... Um, they made very sure that they showed us they were deleting the data and would not use this um, for any other um, purposes. Um, and of course, it's not very surprising to see that you were at ease at a certain room because, of course, all interior designers know this and um, architects are educated in this. But what was really interesting, I thought, is that the um, effect is almost immediate so you can be somewhere and, you know, from the data that the, that the band reads, which is your heart rate, your uh, blood pressure, you know, the, the things that basically a Fitbit can get, that your body responds to a space that immediate, I think, is very useful for, you know, future design, like of retail, of workspaces, of hospitality spaces or hospitals. Um, and I think it could make a case for, you know, getting bigger, more substantial design budgets. If if you can show to your team or the people higher up that this has immediate effect on how people are going to experience your space or your brand. Um, so in that sense, I think Google made an interesting case for that. Interesting. So um, beyond technology, I think obviously one of the, one of the key topics and trends across all of design and creativity and branding at the moment uh, and for the foreseeable future, is sustainability. So um, what stood out to you concerning um, designers and brands' approach to sustainability? So I think it's interesting because last year it was all about plastic and all about the material itself. And I, I kind of realised that this year it was more about the way in which 
um, plastic was processed and brought to life. And um, a lot of companies and manufacturers come up with new ways of um, using the materials, implementing recycling schemes or repairs, um, repair schemes. And, and I thought that was a real progress in comparison to last year because... In my mind, um, as a CMF expert, plastic is not necessarily a bad material. And there is this real confusion from the mass consumption um, between what what would be a good thing or what we could improve um, to um, um, erase climate change and, and other issues that plastic has brought and other, other obviously, industries has, have brought. And um, I think... Plastic is can be an amazing, durable material. It's just we need to focus on innovating some good plastic and completely erase from the system the bad films that are used um, um, only one time and that are obviously um, of very poor quality. So on the other hand, um, I also think governments should have a bigger responsibility uh, because um, so far, non-recycling um, scheme is unified. And so, therefore, I don't know where, where David, you live, but you're, where you live in London will probably a different recycling scheme from where I live. And that's only within cities. So imagine within countries, counties, within the world, how can we create a system that um, entails the same rules for, for everybody so we can make sure we're actually doing good for the planet and not kind of a nonsense generation of, of uh, materials? Yeah, I think um, brands are stepping up in this space to take the responsibility for for their products. And we spoke to Fitra about this um, and their senior designer for colour and surfaces, Brigitte Koremans. We uh, were before the fibres were cut up and gave a lot of dust, which was very unhealthy in the manufacturing process. Right now we work with one thread, which is sort of laid out in an enormous kind of mat. And then it's once cut out as a shape, formed, and then the resin is added. So it's it's a, a, a very dust-free process now, which which makes it a very different process, obviously, um, less uh, uh, toxic. So she's talking about fiberglass um, and an iconic Fitra chair that was discontinued in 1993 because um, of the manufacturing process being harmful uh, to people, but also um, the environment. And they actually brought this chair back now um, because they can now produce this material in a better way, but also they launched a repair and take back program. So they're recognizing that this material will be around forever, which makes the chair um, very desirable from the market because it will just last. It's so durable. Um, so they made up the balance and actually said you know, this is very useful um, for our clients. We just have to make sure it doesn't end up in the wrong place. Um, and that's why they introduced this program, this Take Back program. Great. So we've talked quite a bit actually here about experiences and events um, as much as products. So uh, I know that one of the reports we're publishing um, on Design Week this year is about brand experiences. Um, is this now one of the most important parts of, of Milan Design Week? 
I think for, in a way it is. Um, and we spoke to the founder of Note Design Studio, Cristiano Pigazzini, and he's responsible for one of the most popular presentations of the week, at least one of the most popular on Instagram, um, for flooring company Tarket, which actually didn't show any floors, uh, but huge, almost totem pole-like structures made from, from this material. Um, and here's what he has to say about that. It's not much about uh, promoting a product. It is very much about uh, creating an emotion that puts you in contact with the product. That the promotion of the product is another moment, is the next step. So it's, um, for us, it's, yeah, it's very important to, to always think in this way, not pushing the product in, in your face, but using the product in, in a way that interacts with you with a very, in a very artistic way. So, Caroline, what do you think uh, did well in that regard at Milan? Well, I thought there were a few very good examples. Um, Lendo was obviously a very good one. Um, I thought both of his exhibitions, the one showing um, the, the embrace of, of air, was very kind of a calming white atmosphere with a, a nice, um, a very delicate uh, smell and, and brace, um, brace um, uh, present onto the, the display. And, and both of his installations were, to, in my mind, very interesting because there was a real... Um, a real attention to details and a real attention to to share actually the knowledge and the process that has been uh, brought to life to life through these exhibitions and where I thought some of these installations were successful was when um, there was a small booth behind the scene kind of a behind of the scene uh, um, display showing how or which technology has been involved in the process of making um, these displays. So I think Glow and Grow, the TACT project, I don't know if you've seen this one, was also a very good example where it was basically a line of um, stalactites, um, stalactites made from resin that were growing with um, the infl influence of lights and um, again it felt that nature was also a big theme in the festival and these installations were taking clues from directly from it and, and recreating it via using the use of technologies. Yeah. Yeah. I think we um we have as one of our themes nature as theatre. Um and I guess we have to go to an art installation to experience this. Um, maybe to explain a little bit what the Nendo installation was, that he worked together with an air conditioning company, which of course is very unsexy, and then um, thought like, okay, how can I visualize this breeze or this cooling feeling that you get? So he created a, um, a large field of very thin flowers that had this... Um, film, layer of film that created a shadow on the floor and the shadow moved and it's, you know, it was just a nice experience walking through and then you got upstairs and the technology behind it was revealed, which were polarizing films that were twisted on top of each other, creating transparency or shadow. Um, so it was very much about 
visualizing the invisible um, and tucked, dripped this kind of liquid resin onto a lamp that would then harden in the light. Um, so yeah, they're kind of mesmerizing experiences and it's really mu- about creating this kind of emotion, kind of feeling for the brand um, without showing any chairs or any any actual product. Um, so in that sense, it's becoming very much about brand experience, I think. And it's also very much about who has the most Instagrammable installation, um, which cause the fashion brand is so good at every year they they make sure they they excel in that space so this is all, i mean this all sounds amazing and and innovative and really interesting what can your basic brand you know small brand take away from this i mean what what would you say would kind of like the key insight that any brand could apply amidst all this amazing instagrammable emotional experience put you on the spot there <laughs> Um, I think beyond everything and however Instagrammable it is, you need to still have relevance. Um, it's an amazing opportunity to reach this very interesting audience of designers and um, brand experts. If you can bring all the elements together, then you have a winner. But of course, it's not just... Luckily... It's not that simple yet. You still need really bright minds and a really good idea and proper innovation to create this. And luckily it's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's still creative magic that's happening, which still makes Milan an exciting place to go to. Yeah, I think the collaboration between um, materials and technology in my mind is what creates the, the real magic. And obviously, you need the knowledge behind it. But as you said, you also need the content. And I think where brands that were successful were the ones that were focusing on something that was very tangible and simple and something that where the, the consumer or the audience could take back home having to say that, wow, we had this wow moment, but it wasn't just good on Instagram. It was also actually, I learned something today. And um, it's a nice um, giveaway for them. So I look forward then to getting my hands on this uh, responsive chandelier one day uh, and one day having a house big enough uh, to, to have it in. Um, thank you so much. That was a, a really interesting insight into what goes on in the crazy world of Milan Design Week. I'd like to thank my guests, Caroline Jacob and Davy Pinati, and thank you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available. 